So here's the question. How do independent adjusters and appraisers like us, who can't hide behind corporate logos, processes, and profits, who are spending our own money and reputation, how do we work in a way that lets us get work, assignments, deployments, and more income without wasting time or money in this world of insurance while we stand out in the crowd? That is the question, and this podcast will help guide you to the answers. My name is Chris Stanley, and this is the Independent Adjuster Podcast. Join myself and other independents on the path to non-corporate success in the insurance industry. We are IAs. Hello and welcome to the Independent Adjuster Podcast. I am your host and your guide, Chris Stanley. Today's guest is a little bit different from most of our guests because mainly he's not an IA. Nick Loper has become an expert in what is known as side hustling. He has a podcast in a worldwide community of side hustlers that make money off of non-traditional jobs. Therefore, he is the hustler. I brought Nick onto the podcast to share with us what makes someone successful at a side hustle. As an IA, this episode will be extremely relevant to you if you're just starting out and maybe you're not quite making full-time income at being an IA. Nick is going to help you see how to treat adjusting as a side hustle and how to set yourself up to be more likely to succeed. Also, if you're an IA and you experience the up and down the hills and the valleys in your income, Nick may inspire you to find some unique ways to supplement your income within your business or maybe even outside of it. And then lastly, if you're a veteran IA and you have dreams of exiting the IA business or starting something new, Nick may help you find the courage to forge ahead with your dreams. Now, before we call and talk to Nick, a few weeks ago at the IA Path, we launched our first official membership program. We call this membership the League of IAs. Now, the League of IAs membership, what it actually does for you is it actually unlocks all of our training. So you're able to partake in our collision training and our flood training and our hail training and all the different trainings uh, on our uh, IA Institute of Auto Damage. So it, it, it equips you that way. But we also equip you with our tool, Auto Forms. So when you become a member, you get all the training, you get the tools, and you also join together with the rest of the IAs to form a community. And we have some really cool things planned in the future, but I wanted to kind of show you and reveal to you and introduce to you our very first commercial for the League of IAs, and you're probably going to be hearing it moving forward on the podcast, but here it is. We are known by many names and faces. When they call, we answer. And what they start, we finish. As we write, it's for truth and justice. We represent hope to those who have experienced loss and support to the overwhelmed. We are loved by some, but hated by more. 
are the vigilantes of the insurance industry, and we are IAs. We are needed now more than ever by an industry that's fighting for its life. And together we form the League of IAs. Join the fight at leagueofias.com. Well, there you have it. If you want to check out League of IAs, go to leagueofias.com. You get the training, you get the tool, you also get discounts inside of the industry, and a lot of cool things are coming, but you can check it out there. Now it's time to call and to talk with Nick. Hey, what's up? Hey, Nick. It's uh, Chris Stanley with the Independent Adjuster Podcast. I appreciate you agreeing to be on the show today. You bet. Sorry about the uh, connection there, my <laughs> some, some connection issue. Well, hopefully, hopefully, I'll stay with you. That's not a problem. It's not a problem at all. And in the introduction, I've already introduced you, and you know that the audience is going to be asking me one very simple question, or at least asking themselves as they're listening to this podcast: Why in the world? If this guy is not an independent adjuster, Chris, why in the world would you bring him onto the show? And more importantly, why should I care to listen to Nick and his story? Well, you probably shouldn't care about me personally, but what you probably should care about is your own like financial future, your own financial independence, kind of your own um, your own ability to you know like control your own financial destiny in a way. And that's what I think the side hustle story, side hustle brand. And really, the side hustle movement is is all about. Does it make sense? Absolutely. So, for those who may be listening and don't understand side hustle, it's something we kind of do every day. It's the the. Actually, I want to let Nick give your definition of side hustle. Let, let's get this straight from the source. Well, I'll just call it something that you're doing outside of your outside of a traditional job to make money. And you know, in generations past, this was called moonlighting. Um, I don't know, <laughs> maybe generations past called a second job, but I think there's something to it beyond just kind of like, okay, I'm going to deliver pizzas in my spare time. There's something where it's like more optimistic, more, perhaps more scalable, where it's like, okay, this is potentially something that could eventually replace my job. This could be, eventually be a full-time thing. I feel like there's a more business aspect to it, a more entrepreneurial aspect to it than just straight up like, I'm taking a second job to, you know, earn extra money. Does that make sense? I'm glad I asked for your definition because it was way better. So, Nick, how did you get started, whether it's side hustling or starting on your side hustling projects that you have? Where does that story, where's that origin begin? For, for me, my original side hustle was a footwear uh, comparison shopping site. So it would have been like back in the day when comparison shopping was big. So there was like price grabber and next tag and, and shopping.com, right? Those sites are trying to be like everything to everyone. And so I said, well, I, so I had interned at a company in Seattle. that was like a, one of these pioneering online footwear retailers. And as part of my internship there, I was in charge of like their affiliate program. And so after that internship ended, I was like, hey, you know, I saw all these other sites that are, you know, making money selling, you know, recommending shoes or like referring traffic to to these stores. And so I was like, you know, I could probably do that. And so the idea was to put together 
a, uh, a comparison shopping site that instead of trying to be everything to everyone was like the go-to place for you know finding the best deal on shoes like super random niche like i was probably my own worst customer probably bought like three pairs of shoes over the course of 10 years of doing this but it earned this so the way that site worked it earned money from zappos from amazon from all these other online shoe retailers every time a customer came through the came through the site perfect so like you said, you had this dream, this aspiration of us of this project that may eventually become your main source of income. But the way you're talking about it, I'm guessing it didn't become your main source of income. Is that right? It took a little. It took a little bit of time. So it started kind of like on Google AdWords with like a, a dollar a day budget. It actually started, you know, even before having the website built with these little text link ads and I'd run my affiliate link in the, in the destination URL. And I was still in college. It was like really, really small budget starting out, but that was kind of a way to validate it first in um, thinking good to great. The book, the author uh, Jim Collins talks about, you know, firing bullets before firing cannonballs. It's like a way to kind of like calibrate test things like for very uh, low cost before, you know, plunking down and making a bigger investment either in time or money. And so the, the bigger investment in money was, you know, having the site develop the eventual uh, comparison shopping site. But yeah, it's been, it took three years, nights and weekends before I felt comfortable quitting my job to do, to do the shoe thing full time. Wow. That, that, that's super cool. So in our industry, if you're listening and you're going, well, Chris, that doesn't relate to us at all, but it really, really, really does, especially nowadays with the new technology and Nick may even be familiar with the company I'm about to mention but there's companies like We Go Look and OnSource who are doing these, allowing these side hustles and side jobs to people to be able to take photos of damaged vehicles with little or no auto damage experience as an adjuster, appraiser, or anything. So that's a great example of, yeah, it's not really replacing my main job, but I'm dabbling in what I want to do. And that's something we talked a lot about on this podcast. So Nick, then with that whole... No, this is cool. OnSource is new to me. I've heard of We Go Look, but OnSource is new to me. Now, are those... Are they good or bad for, for your business? Um, in my opinion, they're fantastic. And I will get lots of hate mail and comments on LinkedIn. I'm sure about <laughs> that. But I think they're great because, one, it shakes up the way we look at how our industry can be done. And two, the biggest problem we've experienced in our industry is a struggle for new people to get in. There's this blanket three-year experience requirement normally, but no one helps you get that three-year experience. These companies do. Uh, they're a way to get started, to test, to validate, to shoot the bullets before the cannonballs, as you put it, to make sure that this is something okay. you want to do and can do uh, beforehand. But the industry as a whole kind of looks at them in a negative light. All right, cool. Yeah, so we dipped into some controversy there, which is exactly what I was thinking we would do. And that's exactly what I think what, what Nick's going to bring is some passion and some controversy within yourself, which is what I'm so excited to, to get into. So in your journey and there's so much more that we haven't even heard about and i don't even think we could cover it all what you've done in the last few years um but what is the greatest challenge has been as you've been climbing this slow climb of a mountain like this isn't just a straight get in the elevator go right up right uh, this side hustle you said it was three years yeah, in, in the case of the shoe business, it was kind of, and even in the even in Side Hustle Nation, which I started on the side uh, from the shoe business several years later, it's like this long, slow climb. And other people have done it much faster. Other people are way smarter than me. They figured out some hack or whatever, and they, you know, <laughs> they hit all the right levers and they, you know, built a built an audience much faster. Um, it's kind of funny you mentioned 
the experience thing where it's like, well, you need the, uh, you need the job to get the experience and you need the experience to get the job. And it's this weird exactly. chicken and the egg thing. And, but now you have the ability to kind of go out and build your own experience in a way. And so, you know, half of this stuff, if I was trying to write my resume, you know, today, you know, for the last 10 years, like nothing from school or even career wise would be on. It's all like stuff I learned outside of work. So it's been fun. Um, greatest challenges, the, a couple that come to mind, actually one in particular is like the, the challenge of not knowing, and maybe you can call it like the, the grass is always greener challenge or like the captain your own ship challenge. Like everybody wants to, you know, I want to be my own boss. I want to set my own schedule. And it's awesome. But when you do, you kind of like, I would have stuff sitting on my to-do list for, you know, for weeks or months at a time. And then ultimately you realize like, look, dummy, this is not going to get done unless you do it. You know, and somebody's going to have to make, uh, make that happen. And, and it was kind of a challenge, especially early on to say, okay, what do I prioritize? What's going to happen? And more recently kind of, becoming part of the mastermind groups or some peer groups of other uh, entrepreneurs that's been helpful kind of building a community around the, the side hustle nation brand has been helpful, but it's, uh, it, it can be lonely. And, and that was kind of tough at times. Oh, and, and we totally get that. We're all cowboys in this industry. So, um, that's one of the big things that, you know, the IA path tries to break is to make this more about a community versus I'm my own business in Houston. I don't care what the guy in Abilene does because I don't, as long as he doesn't come over to me, right? Like everybody thinks they're fighting yeah. their own thing and we don't know, is it better to work for an insurance company if we don't have that experience? Is it, is, is this truly better? Cause this is hard. So I think we could really, really relate with that. But then, you know, there's always the negatives, There's, but there, there's these really strong <clears throat> positives, and there's some really rewarding things that happen when you see a side hustle blossom into your full income, and a lot of times it happens before you even realize it, um, but what has those rewarding things been for you? Maybe off revenue, not just revenue, but what have those rewarding things been? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. Even uh, even before replacing your income, like on the money side, it's like that first sale, right? There's something super empowering about that. And I've seen it you know, over and over again from members in the community, even my, my, for myself and like half a dozen different businesses. Like I'll listen to, you know, I'll do interviews for the podcast and the guy will be talking about, you know, setting up shop on Fiverr or selling stuff on eBay or something. And be like, you know what? I'm, I'll give that a try. And you're like, well, what do you know? It worked. You know, so that's really rewarding to see. I've seen it even with uh, my wife and her side hustle photography business. Like it's just kind of an empowering thing. But really the most rewarding part of, of all of this and probably the, the most unexpected benefit of all of it has been building this really worldwide network, this worldwide community of, of friends. My wife calls them like my internet friends. <laughs> and at a certain point, the scale tipped on, you know, on Facebook or wherever, if you want to measure it, where it's like, okay, the number of, you know, quote, internet friends, you know, far outpaces the, the number of like real life friends, or, you know, people you grew up with and stuff like that. It's been crazy. So like everywhere we go, we're able to, you know, hold meetups and like hang out with members of the community. We hold meetups in Japan. We met with listeners like in, in Prague, in Europe and all over the States. Like that's been really the most rewarding uh, part of, of doing all of this it's just you just get a bigger community it's it's not 
just you yourself anymore, you know, <clears throat> in a basement trying to make this shoe thing work. Now all of a sudden you you you've made it to sustainability right and now now you have a community around you you have a network and and kind of how i can bring that home uh for ias is that you know once you get started it the the beginning feels like the world's against you nobody wants you to succeed and you may be feeling that right now where you're at but ultimately like you said the scale kind of tips to where now there's more people that know you you have more opportunities and even if one source of work dries up you have multiple to bounce to. If Nick's everything blew up right now, <clears throat> I guarantee he can go find a new side hustle, a new job, a new stream of revenue uh, within the next seven days because of the people he knows. And it's the same thing in our industry. So love that, Nick. That's Yeah, it's this weird network effect. Like your network is your net worth in a way. And it, it was, you know, all totally by accident that, that like I didn't set out to, you know, to, build, to build this and even just kind of, happened organically and it's been yeah like i said kind of the most unexpected yet rewarding part of, of doing everything like, you know putting yourself out there yeah absolutely being vulnerable and sticking yourself out there and faking it till you make it as some would say and that's how my father-in-law always described it is just go out there you're going to keep learning you're going to keep failing you're never ready enough just go and, and then you're, you're going to find out what you don't know real fast and that's that's part of the thrill was there something that helped you get over that? Because that's something that I think, you know, Side Hustle Nation listeners deal with a lot. I've dealt with that too. Like I remember doing a quote for a guy like to to redo his website. It was something I'd never gotten paid to do before, but I built, you know, half a dozen websites of my own. And I kind of got cold feet. I kind of got like, I I don't know, like I could probably do it, but am I, am I charging enough or am I charging too little? It was, and I just kind of, it's like back down and kind of like recommended a friend of mine. Oh, he might be able to better help you. How did you get over that? <laughs> okay. For me personally, now I am one of these two, probably a fault and probably listeners are going to nod their head. Yes. When they hear this, but I, I believe very much in the power of that attraction or I'm sorry, action creates attraction, right? So I believe movement okay. makes things happen more than my skill or how smart I am. So I am constantly moving. I'm one of those people who doesn't sit still for long. I do too many projects like kind of like you at once, you know, we do a lot of different things. But when it comes time to I feel the gut check that I have no reason to be where I'm at. I had no okay, great example you can re relate with is the email I sent to you or the LinkedIn request that said, Hey, would you come on the podcast? I knew there was no way in God's green earth that you should ever want to come to this podcast based on the podcast you've been on like we don't have the listenership we don't have this massive reach of, of some of these other entrepreneurial podcasts but i'm like the worst thing that happens is he says no and if i don't do it right now while i have this hair-brained idea i'll get cold feet and so i do it before i think twice about it so the moment i start feeling that nervousness i hit the send button bad grammar and all you guys can you know email us know all about that oh it's the wrong link it was this it's because i'm hitting that button as fast as i can to launch I've got to let it go. I've got to go. Otherwise, I do start having self-doubt just like anybody else. <laughs> and that was probably like, dude, you know I'm not in the insurance industry, right? Yeah, yeah. I knew. I am like, man, this makes no sense at all. But to me, and this is into our topic now, we're in kind of that section, which is why this, this dialogue is just so great, is to me as an insurance adjuster, as an independent insurance adjuster, and we talked about it just briefly before the show, is that we are our own marketer. We're our own agents, so to speak. We have to go secure contracts. We have to do all these different things. But ultimately, 
I think the difference between the ones who are truly successful and the ones who struggle to succeed is this mindset that I think you've learned about over the last few years through your journey, which is to be a side hustler, that this, it's not all lined up in a nice, neat row for you. I call it being an adjusterpreneur. Okay, that's my little coin term I've been using. So an adjusterpreneur where, yeah, you're an adjuster. You're in the insurance industry. But how do you make this work? It's not a one size fits all. It's really not one path. Uh, it, it's it's it. You you have your own journey to walk, but you got to be all in one in your business. So what have you seen as you've interviewed side hustler after side hustler and traveled the world and met these guys? What have you found that's made these guys successful? Some common traits. It's not just one. Well, what are some things you could share with the IAs out there who are struggling, or maybe the ones who need help getting over a hurdle about how to shift their mindset? Um, on the mindset front, well, one of the biggest things that comes up over and over again, and maybe the common theme is like this willingness to, to venture into the unknown, right? To this willingness to start something, not knowing the next step, not knowing the result, uh, or, or without, without the result being guaranteed. And it's just like, okay, you don't need to necessarily, you don't necessarily need to know how to climb, you know, the whole mountain on day one, but you just need to, you know, take that first step or find that first foothold. And then you can you know, get a better vantage point. And you see from the next one. And like you said, action, I forget what, how you phrased it, but yeah, action breeds action, <laughs> action breeds results, results breed action. And it's kind of like this virtuous circle. Um, Ryan Finley runs a full-time business, like buying and selling stuff on Craigslist, supports his whole family doing this. He gave me the advice, uh, that, you know, the best opportunities aren't visible until you're already in motion. And I, and I see that over and over again on the show where it's like, I started, you know, this other thing, which led to this conversation, which led to this idea, which led me to starting this, right? It's like, you know, picking what's next, doesn't mean picking what's forever. And that's been really, really common for everybody. Like I started out like my first business was like painting houses. Like never expected to have like a podcast. Podcast didn't even exist, you know, back then. It's just a weird, um, but, you know, as you start going down that path, you know, the, the people that you meet and kind of the ideas that pop into your head, that become, uh, that helps dictate your next steps. Yeah, love it. And it's action creates attraction. And I think it goes both ways that, you know, it's not just other people attracted to you. You're attracted to more action because you see that you didn't die when you took that first step. You know, you, you're saying you, you don't have to climb the whole mountain. You got to learn how to get the trailhead first. You, you, people try to figure out, well, yeah. how do I breathe at the top of Everest? You don't even know how to get to your local trailhead. What are you doing worrying about Everest and scared that you'll never <laughs> be able to do it? Like, this is insane. Just go walk outside and walk to the stop sign and back. Prove to yourself you can do that, you know, in whatever capacity that is, whatever career path is just, you know, it's, it is something that, that hinders people. It's just they look too far ahead almost like, well, I don't know enough. And that's when I come out yeah. with the fake it till you make it. And I don't mean be dumb. Don't, don't, don't go climb Everest. Don't go settling insurance claims with no knowledge. But you got to take those first steps without knowing exactly what they are. You know, you got to kind of stumble yeah, through this. <laughs> so what else? Do that. Just in time learning, like figuring it oh. out as you go. Like one guy, like my roommate in college, he was like a, a computer science major. And he like takes this job interview and they're like, do you know such and such a language? And like straight faced, yes. And then he like comes home, you know, crams all night to like learn this new language and goes back the next day and like, you know, forces his way through this like skills test on it. But it's like, in my case, I would have been like, 
oh, sorry, I don't know that one. And like, that would have been the end of conversation. But he had like the confidence to be like, yeah, I, I totally know that, you know, <laughs> just like totally lying through his teeth. <laughs> but he's like, you know what? I've got the confidence. I can go figure it out. That's, that's super cool. It, it, yeah, that confidence thing is a huge thing in, in almost any, it is any industry where you're your own business. Like when you are the determining factor or even in your own career, even if you're a staff adjuster listening and you get those opportunities, would you be comfortable doing this? No one's ever comfortable. Okay, let's get that straight. So just take those next steps. You know, maybe don't lie. We're not telling you the advice to lie. We're talking about insurance here, Nick. We can't be saying lying. You know, (laughs) nobody lies on insurance stuff. Right. Uh, But no, I totally get what you're saying. It's applicable across the board. So what are some other things? I mean, that you've learned through the years, you have, how many, let's just start here. How many people have you interviewed in the entrepreneurial space or in the side hustling space? They don't have to be like huge and successful, but how many interviews have you done? Uh, probably 200, 250 or something at this point. Man. So what are some of the craziest things you've heard that people have done to make money? I mean, looking at cars is pretty straightforward. They get in a rack. Someone needs to look at them, write what's damaged, take photos. Great. But, I mean, what are some crazy things you, you've had of people who have made it doing something crazy? Some crazy stories. So the, the Craigslist flipping guy was a, was an interesting one. A similar guy, was a, he calls himself the flea market flipper. Just like buying, you know, buy low, sell high. Same business as Amazon, same business as Walmart, right? But just like doing it on a local scale. He told me the story of like finding a, a prosthetic leg, like at a flea market in Orlando or something for like 30 or 40 bucks. <laughs> Flips it the next day on eBay for a grand. Like, dude, no. that's a nice, uh, that's a nice flip. Um, I met a guy who who is the in the Netflix documentary, uh, like the Holy Rollers. It was like the Christian card counting team out of Seattle, and uh, he's like, now he's got six kids. He's like, I got no business being in smoky casinos anymore. But I have this really unique skill. So he teaches people how to count cards online and, and win at Blackjack online. Um, who else? Uh, on, on like the teaching skills front, there was the uh, uh, Jacques Hopkins runs a site called Piano in 21 Days.com. He's a retired engineer, or I guess he, you know, he quit his engineering job to teach piano online full time. Um, I like that one. There was a woman who uh, teaches people how to bake sourdough bread online. When we spoke, she was making uh, four or five grand a month, you know, selling classes on baking on udemy.com, U-D-E-M-Y.com, the peer-to-peer education platform. She's a mother of 10. And what's crazy about her story, like, you know, kind of this this abusive relationship to, and, and, you know, this was like a meaningful income for her. And, And her daughter kind of like, almost to challenge her like no but nobody can make the perfect sourdough and she's like well you know what i'm gonna give it a shot and you're like she filmed her first course like in this dingy garage and she's like you know what there's a lot of close-ups of my hands working the dough because i don't want to zoom out and show you like the oil stained floor or like the crap on the walls and she's just like you know working with what you have when you have it and she's built a huge huge facebook community all around uh, sourdough baking i mean it's it's nuts what she's been able to do. So I love that story. What um, you just said, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt it right there. That was amazing. I, I can you say it again? Working with what she had, and how did you say it with when she had it, right? Yeah, start with start with what you have when you have it. I think that's how she phrased it to me. 
that's amazing. Like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go find that episode so we can all hear that and, and put it in the show notes because to me that resonates with me. Like you know, I say it, fake it till you make it, and that causes all sorts of controversy. But it, it but what we're really saying is that right there. Work with what you have when you have it. So what do you have today? Where are you at today? What skill sets do you have to offer into this industry, to any industry, whatever thing you're doing? you know, and step out, make that first step. So love that. That's what I was searching for. I knew some things would start popping then. Like, okay, what are we really talking about here? And there it was. That's, that's what I, is, is so amazing is it's, these people are just doing it with what they already had. You know, it, she wasn't a world-class chef. She, she made do with what she learned and she kept adding to her skill set and practicing it. And now, you know, here she is and the same thing can be for adjusters. So love that. Oh man, that was awesome. Okay. So should we do a couple more? I got yeah, go for it. The archives here. Like there's a ton of fun stories. Yeah, go for it. So uh, a friend of mine who actually who I met through the the help a reporter service is like, you know, a, a platform, an email list that basically connects like sources and um, and reporters. I met this woman in San Francisco. She hosts urban hikes as her side hustle. She's like, I always loved, you know, walking around the city. So she hosts a thousand of these up and it, you know, it's just built this crazy side hustle off of like, you know, taking people on urban hiking was, was a pretty fun one. Urban And then hiking. I met another, awesome. <laughs> I met another guy who started a vending machine um, empire really at this point with like, he found this gumball machine. He was in Houston, I think. So he drives across town, picks up this gumball machine, from like the Craigslist listing or the eBay listing, you know, stuffs it in the back of the car with the kids and like then goes to Sam's Club and buys the, you know, giant pack of gumballs for 30 bucks or 36 bucks or something. And then he starts like knocking on doors in the strip mall to be like, okay, can I, can I park my gumball machine here? And he eventually finds like the karate studio that says, yeah, you can stick it in the corner. That's fine. Comes back a couple weeks later and he says like quarters are like falling out all over the floor. And it's like the light bulbs start going off. Like, this is the passive, this is the passive income I've always been looking for, right? So, you know, parlays that into the next machine and the next machine. And now he's got this whole, like, you know, he's kind of moved into stickers and away from gumballs, but like he's built a really cool empire doing that. My mind's just popping here, you know, as an entrepreneur. And my head's just spinning out of control right now with all these crazy cool ideas. It's like, oh my gosh. That's why I can't listen to your show every week, by the way, because I quit doing <laughs> what I was working on. I started trying to work on something else every week. It's like, oh man, I got, like you said, you, you meet, talk to a guest and you just go jump to another thing. Like, oh my gosh, I got to do this. And I finally had to turn off all podcasts for a while and go, oh man, I've got to focus on one thing for a while. But dude, <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing. The, the, it's fascinating that one there's people to buy almost anything and two that people are coming up with so many great ideas that most people would never think of you know and it's just it's like it's just fascinating i i freaking love this entire topic but i do have to kind of bring this thing around kind of full circle we've got a few more questions now that we've kind of got some real essence of what we're talking about with side hustling so um We've got that, you know, the, the very thing that seems to make people successful tends to be through our whole conversation that they take the next step. You know, they take the next step. They take the next step. Uh, they work with what they have. So if you could go back then, Nick, back to yourself, what'd you do before you were a side hustler? Before I asked the full question, what'd you do before you were a side hustler? You worked for that comp the shoe company itself, right? 
Yeah, so I was working for the shoe company that was in college. Then after graduation, I got a job with Ford. So I was working in their service parts, you know, service parts side of their business, interfacing with their dealers, basically trying to, in the main goal of the channel is to sell more Ford parts through their dealer network. See, you're connected to auto. See, this is what I'm looking for. Okay, no, not really. But go. yeah, so if you could go back to yourself <laughs> sitting there working at Ford, if you could go back and tell your pre-side hustle self one thing, what would it be? What would it be that would help you on this long road that you've walked? Gosh, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, probably the biggest thing is like, it, like you know, life goes on. <laughs> what, was, what was the quote? It's like, if I've learned this in all my years, it goes on. It's like, you know, there's going to be ups and downs, but most of the time it's not life-threatening. Does that make sense? Like I tend, and even, even still today, like I tend to get like way more stressed out than I probably uh, probably need to be. <laughs> it's probably healthy, but it's like, what, why, you know, what's the big deal here? You know, even um, going back to like the example, like how, to, what if I booked that contract to like build this guy's website? Like it's not life-threatening if it, <laughs> I'll eventually would get it done, you know, um, even if, you know, maybe I got a subcontract out part of it. Like that's, you know, you'll figure it out. It's just, um, I don't know, I tend to rip my, rip my hair out or what was, what was left of it. <laughs> trying to get, get stressed out about, you know, stupid stuff where it's just like, even, you know, in building the, in building the you know, shoe website, like, you know, dealing with different uh, programming contractors and stuff. So it's just like, it's all been an exercise in patience, uh, trying to get it get it all figured out. Yeah, in our industry, we have uh, about a forty eight hour cycle time is the standard expectation. So if you get an assignment via email, a car gets hit, you got to go look at this car within forty eight hours and turn in your paperwork. So all of a sudden, you start to imagine an insurance company wanting that car done. The number of requests, where's this at? All for like fifty, sixty bucks, uh, depending on your fee schedule. Yeah. You know, like. We go through that every day with multiple files. Like, it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. It's really not. You know, like something went wrong and that's okay. And so take Nick's advice, uh, everybody listening, and say, you know, it's not the end of the world. Life goes on. Uh, and, and kind of push through. Take those next steps. So, Nick, you've got a ton now, now I'm of curious, though, what's... Go ahead. No, go I'm ahead. Curious, though, what's, what's your answer? What, what, would, what, would you, uh, what would you tell yourself? Like your, you know, your 18, 20-year-old self. Um, I would tell myself what my father-in-law told me, and, and I've said it already, it's, it's the fake it till you make it. And by the expanded version is that is you never know enough. Nobody knows what they were doing before, before, uh, they started. So don't be paralyzed by fear of the unknown. Don't be paralyzed by what you don't know. Instead, just keep walking. Otherwise you'll feel like you're all forever inadequate. Uh, so fake it till yeah. you make it. And that's not a, you know, like I said, that's not go be dangerous on Everest. Don't go doing claims you shouldn't be doing because you don't have the licensing for it. It's not what I'm talking about. People get that all wrong. It's just don't be paralyzed by what you don't know. Just, just keep walking. Yeah. And, and so it's kind of been the theme. And that's why I love the whole conversation so much is it's like that is truly my mindset uh, for these independent adjusters and for those wanting to be. Uh, it's been really great. So, Nick, you've got so much more. Like, if you liked his stories, guys, and, and I'm glad we got to go there because it's a great plug for what Nick does 
is it your side hustle now or is it your main hustle? I don't even know. Your podcast, your whole community. I don't know how that classifies anymore. But tell them about yeah, sadly, your whole community. Sadly, the shoe business uh, died kind of a slow and painful death uh, a few years ago. So the side hustle, um, sidehustlenation.com and the side hustle show podcast are really the main focus these days. Of course, there are still, you know, half a dozen other projects that, you know, fall under the side hustle umbrella give you something to talk about but um really that stuff has become the main hustle these days which has been a ton of fun um so yeah of course side hustle nation.com is the home base if you do side hustle nation.com slash ideas you have kind of a uh, constantly updated laundry list of part-time business ideas you can start today perfect guys go check it out promise you're gonna love it he's been podcasting now for how many years Coming up on the five-year mark, five. which is crazy to me. Wow, I've been just over a year, and I feel like I've been doing it so long. Like, you know, oh, yeah, this has been going on forever. No, it hasn't. He's been doing it for five years. There's so much great content over at his website, on his podcast. And seriously, at young adjusters trying to get started, maybe one that's in between the storms, uh, and you're looking, we have tons of hills and valleys in our industry, and I talk about that a lot, that you need to find a way to survive those. Guess what? It's sidehustlenation.com, right? I'm saying that right? That's it. Slash ideas. That's where you need to go. I'll put it in the show notes. Don't worry about writing it down. We'll put it in the show notes. But anytime you bump into something, you're like, man, I need another source of income. You know, go look through there. See if you could find something that can help you in between your, your peaks and valleys. You know, try to level that uh, income field out uh, for you using Nick's resources, his guests, and all his ideas. So, Nick... Awesome. Thank you for being on the Independent Adjuster Podcast. It was an honor, sir. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, Nick. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye. Take the next steps on your path to becoming an IA. Visit iapath.com slash steps to get your free guide with the first five steps to becoming an independent adjuster. Visit iapath.com slash steps.